Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. Acts chapter 6. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called together a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should not be spending our time, we, we should be spending our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. So, brothers, select seven men among you who are well-respected and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then the apostles can spend our time in prayer and the teaching of the word. Everyone liked this idea, and so they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Perinamus, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. And so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for reading that in its entirety. I think it's good sometimes just to, to pause and see the passage of Scripture uh, as a whole. I'm going to break it down for us as we talk about it this morning. But this whole rhythm series that we've been in throughout the summer and, and as we start here in September, uh, it's, it's been about these habits, routines, practices, um, and reshaping our rhythms to discover Jesus. To discover him through worship or giving or Sabbathing, uh, gathering, Bible studies, prayer, all of those things are ways that we can discover Jesus, not be busy Christians. The series is not about being a busier Christian. It is about rediscovering that Jesus is real and he loves you and he wants to spend time with you. And the early church figured this out and they lived in these rhythms. They practiced these things. They uh, implemented them. And today we're going to talk about this rhythm of serving and this idea of giving our time and our energy and our skills to helping one another to lift somebody else up, right? My uh, former supervisor would often say to get underneath and push up, right? That was his objective as my boss was to, I want to get under the pastors and, and push up so that they are elevated. And, and that is what serving is all about getting under people, pushing up so that they can thrive and flourish and be healthy. And today's big idea is we learn to serve as a church. We can see this. We can see this big idea. The people of God, I'm going to say this a few times, so if you want to take notes or tweet, man, this or X, I don't understand that, but that just sounds, thank you, Ellie, for the one person that doesn't get why Twitter is now called X, stupidest thing I've ever heard. But anyways, we're not here to talk about social media, but if you want to remember something today, I'm going to say this a few times. The people of God are empowered by the Spirit of God to do the work of God to benefit the kingdom of God. There's a lot of God in there. The people of God are empowered by the Spirit of God to do the work of God for the benefit of the kingdom of God. This is why we serve. When we serve, we will see the people of God empowered by the Spirit of God to do the work of God for the benefit of God. You can X that, you can Facebook that, you can gram that, whatever they call it. You can TikTok it, I don't care. But I just want you to remember, as we serve, it is not about being busy on Sunday mornings. It is about you as the people of God, us as the people of God, being empowered by the Spirit of God 
to do the work of God and to benefit the kingdom of God. Jesus lived this lifestyle in serving one another all the way up until the cross. When he said in Mark 10, 45, he said, even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. To serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The gospel message of Jesus dying on the cross and defeating sin and death with the resurrection is all about what? It's an act of service. It's somebody lowering themselves so he could elevate somebody else. He loved you that much that he would die on the cross for you and take the penalty that you and I deserve and defeat sin and addiction and shame and guilt and all of that through the resurrection. And he did it because he loves you and because he wanted to serve you. And so serving is deeply embedded within the DNA of Christ followers, the disciples saw this, they heard this, they lived this, and they implemented it into the early church. In Acts chapter two, you see it commonly referred to as this acts of service that were taking place, and you see it all throughout the book of Acts. They're serving one another, helping each other, lifting each other up, right? In Acts chapter two, we see it described like this, and Josh mentioned that we'd read this passage out of Acts chapter two multiple times, but look at this. And all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had, shared their meals with great joy and generosity and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. This is a kumbaya moment, isn't it? This is just, they shared everything, everybody's in harmony. You just picture the who's in whoville, right? Just, ah, na, 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 na. You, know? you don't? I mean, that's like, when you think of the early church, you just think like everybody's in harmony and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. This picture even of, of hands making a heart. I mean, it's just kind of like, this is the idea. Everybody's in it for each other, right? It seems great. It seems wonderful because serving one another is good. It feels good to help somebody else, doesn't it? Can we be honest? Like, it feels good to put somebody first and do something nice and see that it helps them, and it feels good. It makes others feel good because they receive something good, right? But when the church is serving one another and living in this harmony and developing this rhythm of serving one another, not serving themselves, not looking for their agenda to be fulfilled, but serving one another in this healthy rhythm as a church, what do we see? We see the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, to do the work of God for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Now that sounds like a great idea. Sounds like a great statement, Sean. I love that. But Let's live this out in real life. Church is messy. Church is complicated. Church is full of humans. Church would be great, except for the people. And in Acts chapter 2, everybody's in Kumbaya, Whoville, Harmony. But then there's Acts chapter 6. And Josh read that whole passage for us. And we're looking at this passage out of chapter 6 because you see that this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where this idea has to get lived out. This is where tension could either divide and destroy the church or it can bring them closer together and bring health and flourishing in the early church. And I believe that same tension is something that we can feel in the modern church today. Look at it in chapter 6, verse 1. All the believers were rapidly multiplying. There were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying their widows were, were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Like people are frustrated. 
The group is growing. The needs are noticeable. The tension is building. The group is growing. That's a good thing, right? But as the group grows, needs aren't being met. People aren't getting what they think is theirs. And this is a real church dynamic. Church ministries are not meeting people's expectations. You ever been in a church that met all of your expectations? Let the record show no hands went up. A real church dynamic is your expectations, people's expectations will not be met. And so what is their impulse? What is their instinct? Complain. Contrast that with the disciples who, in the face of this complaint, don't just like, yeah, I know, it stinks, man. It's just those, those people or these people or this issue or blah, 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 right? They don't excuse it. They acknowledge the need, and then they bring a solution. And I think it's a great reminder for us. Let's not be complainers. Let's be people who are solution-oriented, right? If you see something missing, if you see a need being overlooked, if you see people being uh, marginalized, don't complain about it. Be a part of the solution. And that's what we see in verse 2. The 12, it says, so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And at first glance, you'd read this and you'd say, wow, Peter. Wow, John. Look at you all high and mighty with your shiny, you know, apostle clothes, right? You're not worthy of having to do the food program. But this, when, when you read this at first, you think that this is beneath them. But really what it is is just because they can do it, should they do it? Yes, Peter and John can run a food program. The 12 disciples can run a food program. But should they run the food program? And what happens here is the shifting away of this universal remote mentality. How many of you have a universal remote at home because you had too many remotes? You went on Amazon and you bought a universal remote. Anybody have a universal remote? Or you bought a universal remote because your dog ate one of your other remotes, right? Or your kids broke it, right? Dipped it in the Kool-Aid. Some of us have wanted to consolidate. We've got too many remotes, right? And so we want one remote that can turn on our TV, it can run our Netflix, it can run our cable, it can run our sound, it can run our microwave, it can turn on the garage door, right? It can train our dogs to stop barking and it can raise our kids. I just want a universal remote that can do it all. We want one remote to do it all. And sometimes I think in church we expect that the pastor is going to be the universal remote that can do everything. Well, we pay him, he should do it all. We pay her, she should do it all. I grew up in a, in a vocational church ministry in a larger church where that was the mindset. Well, we're paying you. You do it. And, and, and what happens? We get pastors that have to do everything, right? We consolidate all of these mini remotes that can do specialized tasks, and we say, well, the pastor or pastors need to be able to do everything. They need to be able to preach and teach. Yes, absolutely. But they also need to be able to be good counselors and pastoral care. And they need to show up when I'm hurting. And they need to show up when I'm celebrating something good. And they need to get the meals going when, when I need a, a casserole delivered to my front door. And guess what? They need to manage the finances of our church. And they need to make sure all the maintenance is done on our church. And then they need to make sure that we've got life groups because I need a place to connect, man. I need a group of, of people that I can share life with. And if, it, if the pastor doesn't create it, I don't know who I'm going to get to know. And I won't have any friends. 
And then we need to get outreach going and we need to have this food program or this, this ministry or this event or all of these things. And what are we going to do about benevolence? We've got single people that are hurting. We've got people in the hospital. We need to get them flowers. We need to get a prayer ministry. Pastor, we need a prayer ministry. Who's praying for these people, right? Advertising. Nobody's going to come to our church if they don't know that we exist. And by the way, our logo stinks because it's all pixelated, made of Microsoft Paint. So we need something in Photoshop. Pastor, you better get on that. Let's go. We need a better website, by the way. And if we're not online, they're not going to find us. If we're not on Facebook or X, they're never going to find us. We expect the pastor to do everything. And I've grown up in a, mind, in a, in a mindset like that where it was vocationally the pastor's responsibility to be the Swiss Army knife, the universal remote. And I don't say that because I'm bitter, but what I say that is that's the reality that the early church was fighting against in that moment. And the early church and the modern church live in that same tension of expecting a few people, pastor or not, we expect a few leaders to do everything. They commonly will say in church circles that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's a universal remote mentality. And to me, this is unhealthy. If we stop and take a second and step back, I think this is unhealthy. Why would it be unhealthy? Because people will burn out. There may be people in this room. You've been in church long enough. You've been burned, burned by the church. Because it wasn't just, can you help in the cafe once a month? It was, the cafe doesn't exist without you. We need you to make coffee. We don't have a kid's ministry if you don't show up. We don't have this. We don't, you know, right? People burn out because they feel this pressure. If I don't do it, no one will. And then what happens? Needs get neglected. People feel missed. Talents get overlooked. We got talent in the church and, and we aren't utilizing those talents and capacities because we're expecting a select few to do everything. And then the church becomes filled with spectators and consumers rather than participants. And the early church was not a bunch of spectators. It wasn't consuming. It was about engaging and participating and being involved. And so the disciples realized this, and they realized that their bandwidth was limited because they're human. All of us have limitations, and that's okay. I have limitations. You have limitations. Our bandwidth is limited, and so we've got to do this differently. So it is not about, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to do the food ministry, guys, because it's beneath me. It's more of, I don't have enough time in my life to do everything. And there's people that are better at this. And so what is their solution in verse 3? And they said in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, And so, brothers, select seven men who are there, well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom, and give, we will give them this responsibility. Let's break this verse down for a moment. It says select seven. Right? We're going to highlight that part as we look at this. We're going to just one section at a time look at each little part here. Selecting seven, right? Identifying, uh, appointing, raising up. The solution is already there. They didn't, have to go fi uh, they didn't have to go hire a professional food management consultant. Think about that for a moment. The, the disciples are sitting and looking at the early church, and they're not like, hey, we need to go on Indeed.com and find somebody. They looked around the room and said, somebody's already here that can do this. We need to select them. And it's not just us that need to select them. They're kind of putting this out to the congregation saying, identify, find themselves, 
raise up, stand up, find yourself, and, and, and let's go. And what we see is a church that is full of talented, capable people who need to step up. And it emphasizes to me also not just that there's talent and, and, and experience and knowledge within the church, but what it also shows is that they wanted people to do it as a team. Because a team ministry is better than a solo ministry. This isn't resting on the shoulders of one person. They don't just appoint Stephen to run the food ministry and say, Stephen, good luck, man, without you. Mm -hmm. They say Stephen and then a bunch of names that you've never read before. Right? But for those people, man, they were a team. And they shared the load. How many of you have moved a couch by yourself before? Was that fun? How many of you have moved by yourself before? Man, that breaks my heart to see people loading up a U-Haul by themselves, right? But when people show up, it's a lot easier. <laughs> Kevin's going to start our U-Haul ministry <laughs> in the back. Just kidding. But we see an emphasis on team, shared burden, shared ideas, shared responsibility. No one is overwhelmed, and so what do we see? We see an emphasis on healthy ministry rather than just burnout ministry. The second part that we see in this one verse, right, it emphasizes who are well-respected because integrity matters. Character matters. It's not just what you can do for the church or do for Jesus. Jesus cares about your heart. Don't be a jerk for Jesus, right? Like how many well-intentioned Christians are doing things, but they're doing it in a way where they hurt people in the process because they're busy and they're focused on the task, and they forget, like, oh, yeah, people matter more than projects. People who are well-respected. This instruction keeps us grounded in a humility rather than looking at an opportunity in the church and saying, oh, I get a title. Stephen and the six other guys weren't like, hey, can we get little business cards that say, like, food managers, earlychurch.com, right? No. It wasn't about titles or authority or power. What was it about? They looked around and said, these guys are well-respected. These guys are humble. These guys care and, and, and are motivated in the same vein that Jesus was motivated in. That matters. The, the third part that we see in this same verse, who are full of the spirit and wisdom. And this one, at first glance, you'd wonder, like, hey, man, they're just running a food bank. Why do they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Like, are these guys speaking in tongues while they're handing a, a, a loaf of bread to a lady? Like, what's going on? Like, are they manifesting more bread because they're praying for miracles? Like, filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? They're just doing a logistical uh, admin job, basically. And you know what's interesting is, is we shouldn't be surprised by it because we're talking about people in positions of leadership in the early church, and they saw it important that these people were filled with the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is not just in us when we say yes to following Jesus. We believe that in Scripture, that when we say yes to following Jesus, man, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and he's guiding you and leading you. But we also believe in this experience of, called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where it is this immersion in the Spirit of God, and it's not just in us, but now it's moving through us, and you see that throughout the book of Acts. 
people in the early church that are encountering the living God in a way where it's not just, oh man, I feel good inside. It's like I'm given this boldness and this excitement and I'm seeing the gifts of the Spirit move in my life. I'm seeing a, a, a call towards mission and calling and vision for what God and his kingdom is all about and I am empowered by the Spirit of God. Not empowered just by my own talents and resumes and abilities and capacities, but I'm empowered by the living God to go do this. And what I love about that is it's not just the pastors or the preachers or the teachers that are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's everyone is encountering the living God and filled with it. And what does that begin to do? It begins to level the playing field that the platform is not the holy ground. All of it works together for the expansion of the kingdom of God. All of it carries value and significance. And think about it like this. Why would you buy a lamp and not plug it in? You say, well, it's not a very big lamp, right? It's just a little decorative lamp. How many of you have little decorative lamps at home, right? It's not a bright light. It doesn't fill the whole space with light, right? We have these little side lamps all around our living room and things like that. We plug them in. Why do we plug them in? so that they illuminate the area where they are. Well, how many of us know that we need leaders and people in our church, we need to empower people in our church who are not just there decoratively, but they are plugged into the Spirit of God, plugged into the presence of God, and empowered by the power of God, because they need the electricity of God moving through them to do what they've been designed to do, whether that's running a food ministry or running a kids' ministry or teaching or prayer or U-Haul ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? Filled with the Holy Spirit. The last part, give them responsibility. Allowing people to take ownership and make it better. What a value that they begin to see here is that the 12 disciples didn't look at this and say, hey, um, you need to do everything that we tell you. They're saying, we're going to give you the responsibility. Run with it. Take initiative. Don't just complete our checklist. Make your own checklist, right? Don't just do what we tell you. And, and sometimes in church, can we just admit it, sometimes pastors are a little controlling and micromanaging? No. If you don't know me very well, you don't know that that is a subtle jab at myself. Uh, I can be a bit of a micromanager. Just a little bit. And please don't give an amen to that, though, all right? Yeah. But if you've been in church, you know that pastors can be very opinionated and, and hard-headed and controlling. And this is something where God is just reshaping my rhythm and saying, hey, if you want people to serve and really be serve champions in a way, where they see an area of ministry and really champion it and take initiative and go for it, you've got to let go of control. Because it's not Sean's church and Sean's vision or the pastor in charge. You've got to give them responsibility and believe that the Holy Spirit is leading them and inspiring them. But it's not also about somebody just running off and saying, I can do what I want. I have all the autonomy and power I want, right? Because it's not about the individual. It's about the greater good of the church and the health of the church. But it's about handing over that responsibility. And I like that phrase, and I'm trying to coined a new phrase here of serve champion. Because that's what I think these seven guys were. They were serve champions. They were people who had the heart of a servant, but they looked at a ministry and said, can we champion it? Can we 
take it and really run with it and bring initiative to it, be proactive in it, to be a serve champion. And so what's next, right? They appoint these seven, right? And then what happens? Everybody likes this idea. Verse five, and, uh, verse five through seven, everyone liked this idea. No one was against it. Man, these seven were then presented and then the apostles prayed for them. They laid hands on them and then God's message continued to spread. Everyone loves it. It's awesome. Let's go. And then the church continues to flourish in health. And, and that's because anything living that is going to be healthy is going to grow and multiply and develop. Think about it. Plants, humans, animals, whatever, right? And churches. If a church is healthy, it's continuing to grow and multiply and, and develop into, these, uh, into the fullness that God has for it. This rhythm of serving is going to bring a greater health to the wholeness of the church. And think about the health that happens. It's not just numerical growth, but think about it. When we, as a church, develop this rhythm of serving one another, and we empower serving, serving champions, things like that, that can really take things and run with it and give them responsibility, and they're leading under the influence of the Holy Spirit, what happens? We expand the kingdom of God because, Why? More people come to church, yeah, that's part of it, right? But think about it, more people say yes to following Jesus. How many of you believe that we need to see that in our community? More people following Jesus, right? More needs are met, that's a greater sign of health. More people are developing and discovering their passions and their callings and their giftings, their identity rooted in God, not in the things of this world. That is a sign of health. People are finding community, a place to belong, friendships developed when we serve with one another. That is a sign of health, right? People are growing, needs are met, all of these things that happen, the greater health of the kingdom happens, not just the greater health of the individual. And so as we said a couple times already, the people of God are empowered by the Spirit of God to do the work of God for the benefit of the kingdom of God. I think that's what this passage is all about. The people of God, empowered by the spirit of God to do the work of God, to benefit the kingdom of God. And I love God's timing on this, uh, this series, because it is at a moment in our church that I think is very applicable. And if you're newer to our church, I'll just give you a little context. Um, we, we've had some staff transitions and movement and leadership, um, and, and very good, very healthy, very natural, needed to happen. Um, and, and in that, we've, we've got ministries that are kind of in this, okay, what do we do now? We've got needs that are needing to be met. There's opportunity, we'll just say opportunities, right? And I'll tell you, as a pastor over the last few months, I've, I've wrestled with wanting to try to step up and be superhero pastor. Just put it on my shoulders and we'll go. Like, I picture myself like Thor or the Hulk or something. Like, I've got it. Put up city right here. We're going, Right? And I've discovered over these last few months that I can't be a superhero because I didn't get bit by a magic spider or gamma ray radiation didn't infiltrate my bloodstream. But more importantly than that, I'm limited and that's okay. And if we put it on my shoulders, it won't be healthy because then everything has to funnel through Sean. And I'm looking at this text this week and I'm praying about this over the last few months and realizing this is an opportunity for our church. Because I look around our church, not just right in this moment, 
But I look around the church over the weeks and I realize we've got people with knowledge and skills and time and experience and tools and passions that can lead our church into a new season of health and wholeness. Better than I ever could on my shoulders. And so if you're newer to Hub City, you're still checking us out, I'm gonna talk about some ways that people are gonna get involved and, and I don't want you to feel any pressure today to like sign on the dotted line and make Hub City your church and get your tattoo or anything like that. But what I want you to hear today and what I want everyone to hear today is this is a church where we wanna see people participating and investing and engaging in the ministry of God. That we don't wanna establish a church of consumers. We don't want a church of just watchers, but we are all utilizing our talents and our abilities and our calling to do the work of God, to expand the kingdom of God. And all of us can be involved in that in different ways, behind the scenes, in a classroom, all these things. And that's, this is where I'm going to kind of rubber meets the road, opportunity, now what sort of thing. So where do we go from here? is thinking about as, uh, as an individual. I want you to think about a couple of questions. And these are in your reflection book and, and part of our now what response is I think you need to start internally and be thinking for yourself. And it kind of goes with the, the idea of a, a heart and a head and a hand, right? The heart, what are you passionate about? What do you care about? What's stirring within you? What people or needs need to be served? Where's your head, right? Like what knowledge, what experience, what... what uh, what skills can you bring to the table? What do you know that I don't know? And then hands, like where are the current opportunities? Where do you need to put your hand to the plow? Where are you going to get your hands dirty? Where are you going to put it into action? That's the hand, right? <laughs> Let's go, right? And so here's a couple of questions to think about. But in that, I want you to think also about where you would think about serving. And there is plenty of opportunity, okay? And I don't say this to make anyone feel bad, but rather for you to see, because I've been talking about this casually in conversations with a few people, and they're like, I had no idea, Sean. I had no idea that the universal remote was trying to do all of these things. And so I'm today putting batteries in the specialized remotes, if you will. Can we just bring that analogy back in poorly? Yeah, let's go. All right, so here's some of the, the ways or where people can serve, right? We've got all kinds of things. And if you need binoculars, good luck. Uh, there's a lot there. But, but various areas of facilities and discipleship and next gen and outreach and creative arts and admin, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, wherever, right? There's things on there that maybe it's about facilities with maintenance and landscaping. Maybe you just love landscaping. Guess what? I don't. But you love it right? Or projects and fixing things or discipleship. You just, you have a passion for life groups or Bible studies or fun events. We've done a lot of fun events that brought people together socially and allowed friendships to establish or potlucks or like Super Sunday. Imagine like if we developed people who just like, man, I love potlucks. I love putting things together where it brings people together like that. Prayer ministry with Next Gen. It's not just teaching in Next Gen. When you hear next gen, which is kids and youth, you might think like, I'm not good at teaching with little ones. And, uh, but how many of you could send birthday cards to little kids and put little 
little uh, notes with gifts and stickers and tattoos in, a, in an envelope uh, and send them out to kids every month, right? And work with our kids team and our kids coordinator, Aaron, or with NextGen, and it's about like, man, I, I, or with youth, I want to I wanna cook. I'll, I'll, I'll feed these kids calories, man, for Jesus. Like, let's plump them up. Like, let's go, right? You don't even have to talk to the kids. You just feed them, right? I mean, hopefully you'll talk to them. It would be nice, but you just feed them, right? Outreach and buried area days and Halloween and, and friendship house or small community events. When we get out in our community, we have so many opportunities coming our way. I have to tell them, like, I'm sorry. We just don't have the bandwidth to do that. But there's opportunities for us where they're like, hey, could you come do this? Or could you come help us with this? Sunday hospitality, connections team, things like that, right? Creative arts, live streaming, lighting. Maybe you just love technology. There's opportunities with our technology team. Admin and planning center and our scheduling volunteers and things like that or social media. You just love technology. You love being behind the scenes. There's opportunities. And so, how will you serve? How will you serve, right? I kind of look at our church in this moment and say, okay, we have more than a food ministry, right? Act 6, they had a food ministry that needed help. Well, we've got a few more things than that, right? And this is an opportunity for us to look around as a church and say, okay, let's go. Who's going to step up? And there's ways that we could do it. You could join a serve team. And so, this is where this card on your seat comes in handy. There's two little spots there. One is to join a serve team. Joining a serve team is an existing ministry team, and you would join in that and help it continue to go. Be in the cafe once a month, or helping in our tech team, or helping in kids, or youth, or worship, or playing an, playing an instrument, or being a greeter, or something like that. Joining something that's already in existence and moving forward, and you're just, man, I, I can contribute a bit of time to help things function. That's joining a serve team. The next is being a serve champion. That idea of what they did in Act 6 and saying, who can, who can we hand over some responsibility to? And it's not just I show up and make the coffee. It's now I take this area of ministry and in unity with our church, we move forward into a season of flourishing in this area of our ministry. I can make it better. I could pray about it, dream about it, invest in it, and think about the possibilities of what putting a little bit of my effort and initiative with a couple other people, we could really make this thing pop and be healthy. Take Halloween, for example. You see Halloween listed on there. It's not just, oh, I'm going to run a hub spot, which we've done before, neighborhood, little neighborhood pop-up spots to hand out candy and do games and coffee and things like that. But maybe for Halloween, a serve champion would be, I'm going to empower everyone to be involved and I'm going to help identify multiple HubSpot locations. I'm going to make sure they have everything they need to be the best HubSpot possible. Not just run my own, but I want to help serve. I want to champion Halloween in our church and help them feel empowered and equipped to go love their neighborhood the best possible. And we're going to help connect volunteers with them. We're going to give them candy. We're going to do all these things, right? That's, that's a serve champion. That's not just a, I'll run a HubSpot or I'll show up and hand out candy. Facilities might be, Instead of just, Sean, when there's a need, call me and I'll switch, you know, I'll, I'll paint the wall or I'll put out some wood chips or something. Facility serve champion would be somebody that's taking initiative and saying like, Sean, I want to help be the eyes and ears of what needs to happen and we'll take care of it. We'll pick up the, the church uh, 
car, I mean, this is getting into the nitty gritty, but it would be like, I'm the guy or gal or person that's, man, we wanna, we wanna make these things run and take this off of your plate because it's not just freeing up our pastor, it's also allowing somebody to function in their talents and their abilities. We had it come up recently as one example of it, and I don't say this so that six people will come up and offer to do this today, but one of them is like, we need wood chips in our playground, right? Little playground chips so kids don't hit the ground and cry. Instead, they get splinters. <laughs> but we need like two, three yards of wood chips, and I've told this to a couple people, and they're like, oh man, if I only knew, I would do something about it, right? And I know somebody today is gonna come up with their pickup truck and say, I'll go get the wood chips this week. If I did it myself, which I've done in the past over the last nine years, it would take me three, four hours by myself unloading and wheeling it out, raking it out, and doing that. But what would it be for somebody else to say, I'll pick up the chips and I'll find two other people to come meet me here and we'll do it and you don't have to think about it. And Sean, we want you to spend that three, four hours going and talking with people or meeting with people, praying with people, working on the teachings, leading our church, vision casting for our church. See what I'm saying? It's not that I can't lay out wood chips or I'm beneath doing wood chips, but somebody in here loves wood chips. But you love project is more importantly. And you want to help champion those things, run with those things. It, it's, it's finding people. Serve champion is somebody that sees the destination and can help us get there. They don't just make the, they don't just complete the checklist or take the next step. They, they see the destination. They see the checklist that's going to get us there. And we all have reasons why we can't do it, right? You're looking at that card, and you're like, I don't have time for this. Thanks, Sean. Maybe if I had a little bit more, I, for a moment, would encourage you, don't say can't. Think about what you can do. Think about what you can do. I'll tell you from my own life right now, I am giving hours of my life to coaching little 10-year-old girls how to play soccer. Hours of it. It's taking my time, my energy, my brain power, my patience, right? It's taking it all, right? But I love it because I'm passionate about coaching. I'm passionate about sports. I'm passionate about teamwork, and I prioritize it. I carve those times out in my week, and nobody touches those times. Those are my times. And it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like a burden because I prioritize it, and I'm passionate about it. And I love it. And I want to be there on that soccer field with them. I think about what I can do for coaching. And it changes because everyone's got a reason why they can't do something. Think about what you can do. I can give this. I am passionate about that. I am skilled in this. I do care about that. I can prioritize this. And it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like a burden but it's time for us to reshape our rhythms. It's time for us, like in Acts 6, to look around at ourselves and around the room and say, like, yeah, who can do these things? And again, not just to be busy Christians, but to be flourishing because it's about us identifying and working in our gifts and our strengths and our talents and our abilities and our callings so that we can flourish as a church, so that we can expand the kingdom of God. There's an opportunity for us as a church to be the people of God empowered by the Spirit of God, to do the work of God, for the benefit of the kingdom of God. And so I want to welcome the worship team back up, and I just want you to pray about this for a moment. I want you to worship. And let's go just 
take a moment and be with Jesus. To stop and just say, Jesus, where could I serve? How could I serve my church? Where could I be involved? And during this time, I also want you to, I want to pray for us that we would be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just filled with great talents and abilities that we've learned, but that we'd be people filled with the Holy Spirit. See, some of our servants, they're going to set up for Super Sunday. They're empowered by the Holy Be empowered. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you for serving. Church, would you stand with me and let's pray? We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com slash connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life. 